today on the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. As women transition from their 30s into their 40s, and this transition can happen anywhere in your 30s. It could be 35, it could be 38. Now, for women that are very depleted, it could be your early 30s too. But as you're transitioning, you're seeing a couple of different hormone shifts. The first one is that your progesterone levels typically start falling. Those progesterone levels are usually falling, back to superwoman syndrome, they're falling because many women have been leading sort of this sluggish lifestyle. Their cortisol levels have been all over the place. Typically, they're really high or they're at the stage where they're starting to crash out a little bit. That combination between very low progesterone levels and very high cortisol levels leads to physical changes and emotional changes and mental changes. Hello, hello. I'm your host for today, Dr. Carrie Jones. And I am so excited to talk with Dr. Taz, a renowned author, hormone educator, and owner of the Integrative Medicine Clinic, Center Spring MD. She has a brand new book for all of you transitioning into perimenopause and menopause called The Hormone Shift, which I highly recommend. And wow, if you're going through it, I bet you're really feeling some of that shifting. Don't worry though, as Dr. Taz answers all your questions and has a plan to help you thrive as you move through your 40s and 50s. Before we get started though, I wanna talk to you about something that comes up pretty often on this podcast. And that of course, are supplements. There is a lot of confusion around supplements and you only wanna take the best quality that uses top tier certified manufacturers and most importantly, do third party independent testing to make sure what's on the label is in the capsule. That's why I've teamed up with New Ethics Formulations as their chief medical officer. The team already had a strong history in the supplement world, but started the company to really focus on bettering your health and helping to enhance your physique or performance goals. I'm excited to help them continue to focus on the endocrine system and hormones as it relates to glucose, thyroid, estrogen, and even your gut microbiome. Right now, you can get 20% off one order using code DRJONES20 at newethics.com. That's drjones20 at newethics.com today. Now, let's get on with the show. Dr. Tez, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Another hormone aficionado. Welcome to the Root Cause Medicine podcast. I'm so excited to talk about your new book today. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me. And yes, I feel like we're in this hormone army, right? Of like, no, trying to set things straight here. But yes, thank you so much. I'm so excited to meet you and finally get a chance to connect. For people who are maybe listening but not watching the video, I have the book, Reddit Cover to Cover the Hormone Shift, which is what we're going to talk about. And I absolutely fell in love with it. One, because of how she got into it. But two, the way, as we will talk about through this podcast, how she breaks down the different stages of hormone shifts, but she really gets into and includes the Eastern and the Western medicine approach, really gets into the organ-emotion connection, gut-brain connection. She touches on HRT, really just beyond, here, take this pill. I like HRT or black cohosh. But when you go through the book and you're listening to some of the especially emotions, when you take it from an Ayurvedic standpoint, I was like, yes, I cannot wait to have her on. (laughs) All right. Before we get started with the main questions, what made you write this book over the other amazing books you have out there? Such a great question. It's been interesting. I've had my own story and my own journey into doing integrative and functional medicine. It's definitely not something I ever intended to do. 
I was more of that ICU ER type mentality and type doctor. But many of my patients, I started to get sick, didn't really understand what was happening and was having a lot of symptoms that kind of didn't go together, at least didn't go together the way we're conventionally trained in the Western medical model. I'm 26, 27 years old. I'm starting to have hair loss. I'm having cystic acne, joint pain, joint swelling, weight gain, bloating, just super tired and foggy. And it's not me, right? I was somebody who was always on and in charge of everything, in charge of our family, like all this other stuff, and just really started to feel like a different version of myself. And As I set out over 20 years ago now, I'm 51 now, but as I set out on that journey of trying to get answers, it was really hopeless. It was just like, oh, you're working a lot. You must be stressed. Maybe you need to take it easy, blah, blah, blah. Or I think you've got anxiety or you might have depression. Here's an anxiety medication. Here's a depression medication. Your hormones are fine. There's nothing wrong with your hormones. We don't check hormones. It's not really important to do that. This has nothing to do with hormones, but hey, maybe for your acne, you can go on the birth control pill. It was just like conversation after conversation after conversation like that. Not to bore your audience to tears, but try about eight to 10 of those visits. By the end of it, you're pretty hopeless. The last one was sort of like, okay, take this medication. You're going to be bald in the next couple of years if you don't. And that medication was spironolactone, which is not necessarily a bad medication. I'm not trying to label things here as good or bad. But for me and my chemistry, when I already had low blood pressure, I was already super depleted. It really caused a significant side effect, so much so that on one particular occasion, I was going to work out, got in my car, post-workout, maybe didn't have enough water, was on spironolactone, bottomed out, passed out, and almost got into, well, did get into a wreck, but it could have hurt somebody along the way. My entire story, everything that I just spewed out at you right now, led to me understanding after researching holistic medicine, getting into integrative medicine, studying Chinese medicine and Ayurveda, all for me. This is so all for me. This is no intention of making a career out of this. I'm still working in the ER. I'm still doing that thing. The end of that journey for me was I had a thyroid issue. And that thyroid issue was triggered by my gut issues where I was ingesting lots of gluten and not getting enough dietary fat. My hormones were essentially crashing and skewing because of my genetics and stress towards more of a high androgen or PCOS type profile, which is why I was having all these 50 million complaints. As I put myself back together, everyone around me is watching because it's like a two or three year journey. And people are like, what'd you do for that? What'd you do for this? Or how'd you fix this? I've got this too. I finally started my practice with the urging of my husband in 2009. And it was the same story. Patient after patient, it was the same exact story. People would come in, constellation of symptoms, nobody understanding how to put all the symptoms together and not getting the information that they needed. As I'm listening to all these patients, and now we're about to celebrate our 15th anniversary, I've seen over 35,000 patients in practice. As I'm listening to all these stories, this recurring theme of hormones and not checking hormones, not taking the time to understand how the web of hormones are connected and how they're driving, especially as women, it happens to men too, but especially as women, how they're driving so much of our very being, how we think, how we feel, how we sleep, how we eat, like what our cravings are and so much more. As more and more women are coming in and the focus on women and women's health, I wrote the Superwoman Rx back in 2017. And that was a great book trying to, again, give women a roadmap of how to heal yourselves, trying to understand who you are. But even after writing that book, 
the realization was that a lot of it is rooted in our hormone health. And if we can simply focus on our hormones, you have about 80% of your health in check if you can get hormonally balanced because so many other aspects of your health are being impacted by your hormones. That was the motivation. It was like, we need a manifesto. We need a primer. We need a Bible on hormones. And when I set out to write this, I was like, yes, women in perimenopause and menopause have the most extreme and the most obvious changes in their physical being because their hormones are shifting a little bit more dramatically. But in reality, when we pull from older systems of medicine, that foundation was actually laid back in puberty. They would even maybe argue in early childhood. I didn't want this book just to be for the woman going through perimenopause and menopause. I wanted any woman to read it, to understand it, to hand it to her daughter, to her sister, to her best friend, being like, look, take ownership of this. So you don't have to go through what I don't know how many women have gone through over the years trying to get answers to their health issues. That was my intention with writing this and putting this information out there and really bringing in a east-west approach, really expanding the toolbox because there is a time and place for everything. That's how I run my practice. But if we really honor what Eastern medicine taught us in its way that it viewed the body and in its way that it connected our mental and emotional and spiritual health, with everything else, then they really had powerful solutions before you even touched a hormone or a medication or a pharmaceutical. I just thought we needed to rewrite the conversation around hormones. That's why I said let's write the book. Amen to that. Hallelujah. And she does. You listening, pick up the book and read it. You will realize 100% what she's saying is the truth. And I was talking to a girlfriend of mine yesterday who is 39. I'm 46. She's 39. We were discussing perimenopause. And finally, at the end of the conversation, she said, it sounds like I should start now before I hit 40. And I was like, I'm not. Like, are we not friends? Yes, I have been telling you that. I know people listening are saying that's me, especially, and I want to get into the emotional aspect of it too, but I love that you say it starts really young because unfortunately, which you and I see is we have women come in who are going through perimenopause and menopause and it's rough. And then we get their full history and it's been rough since puberty. And it may not be so much hormonally rough per se, but they're that go type A, burn the candle at both ends, trying to hold it together. Or maybe it has been hormonally rough, terrible periods, fibroids, endo, fertility issues, thyroid, et cetera. And then they slam into perimenopause and now they come in and they're like, what's happening and what can I do? One of the big Eastern concepts is that we as women have hormone shifts. It is not something to be scared of. It is not something to think about, okay, this is the end. Oh my God, oh my God, I'm like hitting 40, I'm hitting 50, life is over. They actually really honored the shifts. There was almost like ritual around it. A girl going into puberty, a girl entering her 20s, she's now a young woman, a woman getting pregnant in her 30s, post-pregnancy, going to perimenopause, going into menopause. These were all very natural hormone shifts that each needed care. What is happening in the medical model is that our young girls, I have a 15-year-old daughter, the answer there is birth control or medication of some kind or Accutane. Do you know how many times she's asked me for Accutane because all her friends are on Accutane? But I feel like I'm pulling teeth a little bit to explain to her, we got to get this right now so that you don't hit 25, 26, 27 and are now dealing with an infertility issue, or you hit 40, and you're now dealing with fibroids or breast cancer or God knows what. I go, we've got to figure this out now. My hope is while we're addressing the most suffering population, which is probably women in their 40s and 50s, 
at the same time, we are laying a foundation for all the other women to really own and understand their health. Let's start there. Let's start in that transition from your 30s into your 40s. What is happening? Because despite the amount of fabulous educators and books and social media out there, I still see in the comments, I'm sure you do too, women go, that's me. I didn't know. Nobody told me. And I thought, okay, we're making headway. What is happening there? Let's talk about it. As women transition from their 30s into their 40s, and this transition can happen anywhere in your 30s. It could be 35, it could be 38. Now, for women that are very depleted, it could be your early 30s too. But as you're transitioning, you're seeing a couple of different hormone shifts. The first one is that your progesterone levels typically start falling. Those progesterone levels are usually falling, back to superwoman syndrome, they're falling because many women have been leading sort of this sluggish lifestyle. Their cortisol levels have been all over the place. Typically, they're really high or they're at the stage where they're starting to crash out a little bit. That combination between very low progesterone levels and very high cortisol levels leads to physical changes and emotional changes and mental changes. Some of those physical changes are now like, oh my gosh, I'm super tired. I'm having trouble falling asleep at night. That makes me tired in the morning when I get out of bed. I'm waking up between two and four o'clock in the morning. I don't know why. Maybe you're having a hot flash here and there. Now that's a little not as common really at that particular transition, but I have seen it. And there's more anxiety. There's more weight gain. There's more brain fog. They're simply just not feeling like yourself. So this is where a lot of women are like, I don't understand why I'm gaining weight. I'm doing the exact same thing I used to do before. Now this weight is not budging. And these women too are really noticing that they're having extremes of mood and emotional symptoms throughout the months. Before they were pretty even, but I've had women come to me and my husband sent me or my partner sent me. They're like, something is wrong. We're becoming completely unhinged or super angry at different times of the month. That's a lot of what you will experience as progesterone drops and as cortisol continues to usually be high, usually it hasn't crashed out yet. But that combination does something else from a disease perspective. If it goes unchecked, certain women who have the genetics, this is where they're going to see expression of autoimmune diseases because progesterone itself, remember, is anti-inflammatory. It calms inflammation down. Remember the joint pain I was talking about? I was having an expression of an autoimmune disease that was trying to declare itself. This is where women might start to notice they've got muscle weakness, they've got joint pain, they don't have the exercise endurance that they once had. Many of them, even 33-year-olds and 34-year-olds will sit in my chair and be like, I'm getting old. It must be because I'm getting old. Hands in the air, I'm getting old. And that's the dialogue we want to change. You're not getting old, you're having a hormone shift and we need to help you manage that shift. When progesterone is going down and cortisol is high, what's the management? Well, it starts with food, making sure you're getting plenty of good healthy fats in your diet so your body can continue to build hormone. Many people forget that cholesterol is a building block of hormone, but you need some fat to build the hormone. We need to have a good healthy functioning gut so you can absorb all the nutrients that hopefully you're getting through your food. And a lot of times you do need some supplementation. So you might need B vitamins, you might need magnesium at night to calm the adrenal axis down. And there's so many adrenal adaptogens that can support too. And if none of that is working, if you were in my exam room, then we would have a debate as to whether you are or you're not a candidate for low-dose progesterone in terms of hormone replacement therapy. That's something I did back in my 20s. It's something I'm doing now. Did not do it through my 30s and 40s because honestly, I didn't need it. But now as I'm crossing into 50 and starting to see more of that wonkiness again, I'm back on it. These are some of the things women should be aware of, that if they're feeling out of their skin, there is a reason 
And we don't want to make the reason that they're getting old. We want to instead say, I'm having a hormone shift. What do I need to do next? And everything you just said is practical, tactical, relatable, generally affordable, magnesium, B vitamins, diet. Nothing you said was this crazy, rare biohacker only the elite can afford. Everything you said is definitely something to have a conversation around and approachable. And how nice if we would know that. How nice if we would have I was going to say a handbook, but obviously you've written a book. And pretty, we all got an email. And do you bring a really good point. I think everyone thinks that they need a complicated plan. They need this big wellness plan. They need all this stuff. It's really fairly simple, but it's not that complicated. Now, you do need to have a lot of knowledge about your body. You do have to take the time and energy for that. And you do, ideally, it's a good idea to get numbers checked. I'm a huge believer in checking hormones, looking at data, looking at how you feel, putting the two together so that you can then make a decision as to what to do next. That's the work. But none of that work is super expensive. It is time, but it's not expensive. And how often have you seen a woman come into your office and say, no, no, I had my hormones checked and I was told it's all normal. What, how do you approach that? What do you do? Oh my gosh, if I had a dollar for every woman, I'd have that beach house finally. No, that's a universal. It happened to me happened to others, continues to happen today, still in the GYN room, which is where women usually bring this conversation up. They usually bring it up with their gynecologist and conventional gynecology says you can't check hormones. It's not necessary. It's not relevant. And here's the argument they make, which I think we all need to be educated on. It depends on where you are in the month. And based on that, we have to interpret. Therefore, we don't check it because it's too hard to figure it out. Here's the deal. They are partially right. Our hormone levels absolutely fluctuate throughout the month. But here's what we can do, and here's what we've learned in practice at Center Spring MD. There are absolutes. You should never have an estrogen level over a certain point, and you should never have a progesterone level under a certain point. And you can check metabolites that are static throughout the cycle. They're not changing as much. They're not going up and down as much. And you can put that information together and get a very clear picture as to what's going on. But I push back on that all the time. I'm like, you can absolutely check your hormones. You should check your hormones. I don't even care how you check your hormones. There's all this academic debate of like, well, is the saliva test better than the urine test or is the Dutch test better than Genova's test? And I'm like, just check them. I don't care what you pick, just check them because you're going to start to have the information that you need to really understand what's going on with your body, but then continue to check them because it's about trending and tracking and understanding the patterns, not looking at a static report and being like, this is me. You want to understand. I think the one thing I really want to do in this book, and I hope it came through, is for women to really understand how fluid we are. We are not linear in any ways. Our brains aren't linear. Our bodies aren't linear. We are very fluid and we are constantly shifting and changing. I think it's really important to own it and be like, okay, this is where I am today, but I don't know where I'm going to be in 90 days or six months. I got to compare the two. And that helps really give you an empowerment tool of knowledge about your own body and your own hormone cycle. And so much is different. And I have so many great stories I can tell. Like I've had a woman come in, she's still coming through and she and her husband were about to get a divorce. And her husband was like, you turned into a monster. You are irrational. You say things. I can't live with you. I feel like I'm walking around eggshells just to be around you. This is not the type of relationship I have. But before we call it, why don't you go and make sure there's nothing going on with you medically? And she comes to me, she tells me the story. Sure enough, her hormones are off. She was right here in this phase that we're talking about. Her progesterone was low. Her cortisol and her DHEA were off the charts. She has mild PCOS-ish symptoms in terms of lab work. As we work to correct that, 
A couple cycles later, she came back for a follow-up and she's like, I'm fine. Our marriage is great. He totally noticed a difference. She's like, I don't even know who that person was. These are the women for whom I'm writing this book. I want you guys not getting divorced, not choosing the right partner, not quitting a job, not being afraid to start whatever you want to start in your life because your hormones are taking over your brain or your heart or your gut or so much more. And you talk about this in the book. You give a similar story of somebody who unfortunately did get divorced, I believe, but they had come to you and you were like, oh, if you would just come to me first with hormones, at least not to say that didn't necessarily need a divorce. I'm not advocating for or against that. You need it. However, if things have been great and then you're going through this transition and it's not so great anymore, maybe a medical check is good. And that's the concept that some people can wrap their heads around and some people can't. But I'm a big believer and I've seen this play out in practice. I've seen it play out with myself that when your hormones are off, you are in a different space. You're in a different mental space. You're in almost, for those of us that believe in energy or vibration or all of that other stuff, you're in a different vibrational space. You can't really see as clearly as you could see when you are balanced. And it goes for not just seeing the negative, but also seeing the positive, right? You can't appreciate things. A lot of this is about our physical health, but it's just as much about our mental health and our emotional health and our spiritual health. At the end of the day, they all communicate and they all are influencing one another. Before I ask what tests do you like women to run, I do want to just point out, and I love that you said we need to accept that we're fluid because I also feel a number of listeners have said, say I got hormones, thyroid, something tested last year, and now things are shifting or changing, right? Or I haven't had a period in four months, six months, I'm 40 or 38 or whatever it is. And they say, I go back to my doctor. And I said, can we recheck those? And they go, no, they were normal last year. You're fine. She's rolling her eyes if you're listening. <laughs> I would say, you know what? I would have an issue during this book tour. I'm going to have to like learn to keep it together. Not to come across super angry. No, I'm rolling my eyes because we are fluid. And being fluid, we have to check our levels at least twice a year. That's my recommendation. We need to know where we are. Even if you're not experiencing shifts visibly, you're not having the whole list I rattle off. You're not having fatigue or weight gain or brain fog or any of those things. You still need to understand where you're feeling great because fast forward a few years, we want to be able to compare that. You felt good here. This is where we should go. Do you know how many patients I've had? We have these absolutes, right? I'm like, most of my patients feel good when their TSH, which is the thyroid hormone, when their TSH is somewhere between one and two and their total T4 is around seven or eight. Those are like my standards. That's where most people feel good. So many patients come in and they don't feel good at that range. They actually feel good even more corrected than that, or they feel terrible at that range and they do better when their TSH is at a three or a four. This bio-individuality of everyone, you can only understand if you're tracking your personal data. We can set guidelines, much better guidelines than what's currently out there. But at the end of the day, we want to know about you and we want to understand where you feel good and where you're thriving because that's what we want to be able to track as the years go by. All right, give us a list. It doesn't have to be all-inclusive, but for the newbie who's listening or maybe has their lab work in front of them, what should they be looking to ask to order? I'm going to rattle it off, but I also have it on my website. And of course, it's in the book too. This All this information is in the book. is basically like a guide for you guys to walk into the doctor's office and get this done. I'm going to rattle off what I test through LabCorp or Quest. And the reason I'm bringing that up is it's the easiest. It's accessible to almost everybody. It's not expensive. You just need an MD to write the order. You want to check a circulating estradiol level, an estrone, which is a storage form of estrogen, 
a progesterone level, a 17-hydroxy progesterone, which is a metabolite of progesterone, pregnenolone, another progesterone metabolite, testosterone, both total and free, DHEAS, a cortisol as long as it's in the morning, otherwise it's very difficult to interpret on blood work, and a fasting insulin level and a leptin level. Thyroid, a TSH, and a T4 and a T3, and I like to look at the thyroid antibodies as well. That's about eight to 10 different markers. If you could do those, then we have a great understanding of the majority of hormones in your body. There's seven major hormones I always talk about. And if we can understand what those seven major ones are doing, then we can decide from there if you need anything additional. Now, if you do saliva testing, if you do urine testing, if you do the Dutch test, some of these tests that are out there, many of them are checking the majority of those, but they're not checking insulin. They're not checking thyroid and they don't necessarily always check pregnenolone. You'll get good information around estrogen and your ability to detox and metabolize estrogen. You'll get some good information around progesterone and testosterone, but you may not get some of the other ones as well. That's why LabCorp Quest is a great place to start and then supplement it with one of these other tests. And then we usually put both of those together and try to figure out what's happening with your body. And then when should a woman do this test? If she's cycling regularly versus she says, I'm going to regular perimenopausal hot mess, how do you guide that? So many women in perimenopause aren't regular. They're having a very irregular cycle. Their cycles are shortening because of the lower levels of progesterone. I hate making them sit there and be like, when's day three? When's day 21? What's happening with you? Here's what I tell women, just check them. But try to gauge where you are. Remember, the first day of your period is day one. If you can at least tell me how far out you are, maybe you were at day 10, maybe you were at day 20, then that helps me interpret what's going on there. Just check them. Again, we've established absolute. No matter where you are in your cycle, I never want that estrogen level to be above 200, that progesterone level to be below 0.5, testosterone to be above 30. These absolutes help us still understand. Now, if you're cycling and you're willing to do that next step of, okay, I want to think through this, I usually like either day three, which gives me a sense of what's going on with you, or day 21. But again, I feel like for busy women who barely make it to the doctor. I'm one of them. Okay, I've got to get my labs checked. I forgot, I forgot, I forgot. You are already putting so much mental energy into so many other things. Let's make it really simple. Just check them. And then just know where you are in your cycle so that whoever's interpreting them can help you with them. That's the key part right there, whoever's interpreting them. Hopefully you've got somebody who is hormone savvy and hormone educated and not going to look at them and go, yeah, they're all in range, they're fine. And hopefully this book will help with that because then you'll be able to pick up the book and be like, wait, Here it says it's not fine. Do I have X, Y, or Z? And honestly, guys, if you're getting a lot of pushback from your provider, I would say find additional people for your medical team because there are enough of us out there now, I think, that really get this and understand this and want to have a conversation and don't want to live in this black and white world and linear world of where there's only one way to do things. And I think someone who's willing to listen is going to be like, hey, well, let's try. Maybe I don't get the whole picture, but let's try this and see what happens. I love that. I want to go back to the emotional part because I think that's one is not talked a lot in perimenopause and menopause. The fatigue, the hot flashes, the weight gain, skin changes talked about really regularly. But in the book, you definitely address this head on. And I love it, whether it's anxiety, depression, fear, and then of course, the gland organ that it's associated with. And for people who are new to that, can you walk us through what that means? This is straight from Chinese and Ayurvedic medicine and maybe a little bit of energy medicine intermixed with it. 
But look, in Eastern systems of medicine, they didn't have labs, they didn't have x-rays, they didn't have any of this business. They would study you. They would look at your face and they would determine which energy channel was the most off. But that energy channel was not just about an organ and it was not just about a physical marker. It was also about what they called your shen or your overall demeanor. That really said a lot about your emotional health. For example, if they would give you a diagnosis, let's say you walk into a Chinese medical practitioner and they gave you a diagnosis by looking at you and doing pulse and tongue that your kidney meridian is off, which is a very hormone-based meridian, by the way. Your kidney meridian is off. The emotion they would then explain to you that is associated with the kidney meridian is fear. And this is information that's been handed down over generations and generations of these ancient practitioners. And there's so much knowledge and wisdom in all of it. They would help educate you that you're struggling with fear. Fear is a block for you to do whatever's next in your life. To improve the energy of the kidney and to help you manage fear, here's what you need to do. And those strategies were food-based, they were lifestyle-based, they were herbal with acupuncture mixed in a little bit, but there was a strategy to help you undo this energetic block. Now, what I see in practice and the fun part of practice is that we'll actually do meridian evaluations in practice, but then we're also doing this lab work. We can put the two together. And sure enough, kidney meridian deficiency has been associated with low levels of hormones, low progesterone, and the like. And it helps us with explaining to the patient, this is where we need to focus. We need to build energy. We call it repletion or building chi. And that in turn will help you as you're dealing with different emotional blocks in the body. Every hormone imbalance is associated with an organ, a meridian system, an emotional block, and sort of a challenge for you to work your way through and then come up to that next level. I love the way they were able to put that together because in the Western medical model, it's you're good or you're bad. But here is very much a journey. This is a journey through the very emotional and energetic challenges that we experience on a day-to-day basis, but sort of a call to work through them, not to overcome and suppress them, but let's work through them. That's going to get you up to this different level. It's also going to work to get your hormones balanced. So that's the connection there. And then the further connection is the chakra system. And all these systems, for somebody like me who's been doing this a long time, literally in my head, I can see the physical body. I can see how the meridian system's working. I can see the dosha system from Ayurveda. And then I can see the chakras too and how they all intersect and how they all align together. For many women, each level of chakra, you'll get blocked somewhere. And wherever you're blocked, is also corresponding to a meridian blockage, which then will trigger a hormone issue. And we can talk through a working example, and this is one I wish didn't play out over and over again, but it continues to play out. But women, where we talked about the high-profile superwoman doing 50 million things, stress and cortisol in the Chinese medical model are stored in the liver. The liver is the organ of detoxification, just staying on the plane of how chemistry works. Here's what happens and what Chinese medicine talks about. If the liver gets too stressed, taking care of yourself, all that other stuff, or deep trauma or deep, deep loss, if any of those major hits happen to a particular woman, woman is stored in the liver. Guess what runs along the liver meridian in Chinese medicine? The breast. I've sat with so many women and they'll tell me their story, whatever they're going through. And many women have gone through very traumatic breakups or divorces or things like that. And unfortunately, 
if they don't do the work to release that anger or to release that grief or to release that stress, sure enough, I will see, you can almost clock it, a year later, 18 months later, they get a diagnosis of breast cancer. This is the emotional, physical connection that I feel like I'm really desperate for women to understand, that life is unpredictable. We can't control everything, but we can control our bodies and we can control how we process these different emotions. It's normal to experience fear or anger or grief or joy, any of them, totally normal. But how are you going to move the emotions out of your body? They're not festering. They're not cutting your voice off. They're not blocking your heart. And they're not really preventing you, first of all, from moving into the next phase of your life. But more importantly, they're not blocking you to the point of actually creating disease. This is some of what we talk about with the emotion-hormone connection or the emotion-spiritual challenge that every hormone shift brings about. And I hope that made sense. 100%. First of all, I loved reading about it. And two, I love that you talk about it because... Unfortunately, it gets downplayed or poo-pooed or that's not evidence-based medicine. And I'm like, except it's been around three, 4,000 years. We see it play out all the time. I totally agree with you. The other example, I'm so glad you said the liver one. The other one that I commonly see, especially because Hashimoto's is so common, is that women will have some sort of event or trauma where they can't speak their truth. They are hushed. They are silenced. However that looks or however that means, big T's and little T's. And then sure enough, thyroid nodules, cysts, Hashimoto's, Graves' autoimmune show up. I'm not saying it's every woman, but I saw it over and over again when we found the antibodies of the thyroid issue and backtracked in their life and silenced was a big one. Couldn't speak. And it could have even been a job where they couldn't speak up, a marriage they couldn't speak up, a family situation where they felt stifled and silenced. It didn't necessarily have to be a horrific trauma, but a trauma enough that it was constantly stopped the throat chakra. And lo and behold, look what can happen. And I think it's very real. And it makes me very sad when I see, especially on social media, that it gets, again, woo-woo medicine. That's not real. It was woo-woo. In fact, there was an article, I think yesterday or the day before, talking about menopause and talking about how Again, it's a very clinical article, but it was talking very much about how you enter perimenopause and menopause emotionally, physically, from a nutritional standpoint, determines how you're going to experience that transition in life. We're starting to like put our toe in the water, so to speak, of what these guys have known. And that's been the case, honestly, my whole career in integrative medicine has been fascinating to watch because Chinese and Ayurvedic medicine, we're talking about gut health thousands of years ago. Then all of a sudden you have this explosion of research about the gut and how critical the gut is for everything and the microbiome. And now everyone talks about their microbiome. I feel like we're having the same evolution, so to speak, when it comes to hormones and women's health. These in medicine, all these systems of medicine talked a lot about fluidity, about shifting, about honoring it, about the spiritual challenge with each shift, about how it is a journey up. If you think about the chakras, you're journeying up your highest self. All these metaphors they've made, but they made it in language that is very easy for science to dismiss or for Western medicine to dismiss, but the science is now proving it. And it's very interesting to watch that evolution and now have science. I bet you in five to 10 years, everyone's going to be like, oh, I'm blocked here. Hormones off. Watch me. And that'll happen. Give it about five years and then you're going to hear that. So we documented it here first. That's right. That's right. I do want to talk about the gut since you mentioned the gut before we get into the 30 day reset. Let's go into the gut. Let's just all in, especially because we know how much it shifts and change or the worse as we go into menopause, unfortunately. 
The gut hormone connection is real. It's a foundational connection from childhood all the way through menopause. As we hit perimenopause and menopause, the gut becomes more sluggish. The loss of progesterone and estrogen creates that slow motility, a change in the microbiome, and that in turn leads to higher blood sugars, more belly fat, a lot of these other things that we see in practice that women really get disturbed by. The foundational piece of a lot of what I talk about in the 30-Day Hormone Reset in the book is the importance of gut and liver health, how you really need to have those two pillars of your health lined out on point because then in turn, whatever else you decide to do with hormones, whether you go on HRT, whether you don't go on hormone replacement therapy, all of it will work much better. So that means you should be going to the bathroom every single day. We do want a balanced microbiome. We want to look for and manage candida which is an overgrowth of yeast in the gut. We want to look for fat malabsorption where your body is no longer able to break down fat but needs the fat so desperately because it's hormonally depleted. And instead, you're just spilling fat, blood sugar levels are going up, candida is getting worse, histamine is going up, you have a million food allergies. All of this stuff is being triggered by hormone shifts. You need a good gut plan as you're trying to tackle your hormones. And there are many hormone gut relationships, low progesterone and candida, high estrogen and bloating, high progesterone and reflux, thyroid being off and a little bit of all of it. We know we need to manage the gut and really take a hard look at the gut. This is why someone slapping a hormone on you or you going and getting pellet therapy as an answer to your symptoms or being slapped with the birth control pill, any of those things are a little bit of a disservice because they're not going to work the right way in your body if this digestive piece is not well taken care of. Yeah, that foundational aspect that I think, I understand we have such a fast society. Sometimes I can order Amazon at eight in the morning and have it by noon and I get mad if I can't. But when it comes to our health, just as you say, if we don't have that foundational work, it is a disservice. Part of that is why you have created that 30-day reset without giving away all the secrets. I do want to give away some of the information so people know that there is help and hope when it comes to this change. Here's what I set about to do in the 30-day hormone reset. I honored some of the Eastern principles. One of their founding principles is build energy. Never tell a woman who's not sleeping, who's not feeling great, who's super tired to go and hit workouts or go lift weights, right? That's very counterintuitive for an Eastern mindset. A lot of the initial part of the 30-day hormone reset is repletion or building chi. A lot of what I'm recommending there is simply improving energy. We then move on and we work on the gut and the liver because again, we're trying to create a foundation before we do anything more extreme. And then I really take some time for the reader to try to identify their dominant hormone pattern. Like what is the big one? I can tell you mine, tendency to high androgens, high insulin, and I got to watch my thyroid. Those are my three. What is the dominant hormone pattern for any woman out there? She needs to understand it because then she can eat in a particular way. She can supplement in a particular way. There's an exercise regimen that matches that hormone pattern. There are nutrients that match that hormone pattern. And there are lifestyle things that she should put into place. Again, going back to the rich philosophy of Eastern systems of medicine, it was very prescriptive. If you were a particular dosha, this is how you ate, this is what you did, this is how you slept, all that other stuff. Chinese medicine, if you were yin dominant or more yang or had a specific meridian issue, this is what you did. Now we're doing that, but we're doing it from a hormone sort of lens. 
If you're insulin resistant, what do you do? If you're estrogen dominant, if you're low progesterone, what do you do in these different hormone patterns that are going to really make a difference and help you to balance your hormones before you even get to taking a hormone? That's what I'm trying to help walk everyone through. And I think they're going to feel right. I think they're going to have a lot more energy. They're going to see a lot of their hormone symptoms start to subside. And they're going to lay that foundation for whatever's next. And for many women, what we do in a 30-day plan is enough. And we've seen that in practice. They don't go on to needing hormone replacement therapy. But if they do, they're primed to where their body can use the hormone effectively and metabolize it so those hormones are not a risk or of an issue down the road for anything else. This has been absolutely amazing. I so appreciate you coming on. You've just knocked it out of the park. Hormones are my thing. I love them. I feel like we don't talk about them enough. All of your books, of course, are fantastic. But to have the hormone shift, as you said, as the guide, as the mantra for women to really change the conversation just makes my heart so happy because so many women are in the comments and the DMs struggling and they don't know what to do or where to go. Or they've been told they're normal and they're not. I just really appreciate you coming on today and going over all of this. Oh my gosh, it's been such an honor. I've enjoyed meeting you. And yes, I want every woman to have this information in her hand and pass it on. Pass it on to other women who may not be listening or may not be aware. And I think it really will make a difference and it'll change outcomes for so many people down the road. Absolutely. Where can people find you? Where can they learn from you? Where can they see you as a patient? Where can they get the hormone shift? <laughs> you can find me everywhere. I think we're on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, you name it. I'm on all the social platforms. It's Dr. Taz MD, D-R-T-A-Z-M-D. You can order the book, The Hormone Shift. It's now available on Amazon, everywhere that books are sold. And then if you do want to be a patient at Center Spring MD, we do in-person and virtual as well. Then it's just Center Spring, C-E-N-T-R-E, springmd.com. Amazing. And that's in Atlanta, correct? That's in Atlanta, but we are growing, by the way. The opening in LA and New York in 2024. We're looking forward to that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you again for coming on. And to everyone listening, please go buy The Hormone Shift. It will be at the time of this podcast. It's out. Go buy it for everyone for the holidays. Read it yourself. And again, Dr. Taz, thank you for coming on The Root Cause Medicine Podcast. my goodness. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I have one quick favor to ask before you go. If you love today's conversation, would you mind leaving us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now? My whole goal is education. So positive reviews are actually the number one thing that help new people discover the show. You're amazing. I so appreciate it. And I'll catch you on the next episode.